For generations, humans have tried to box God in, tried to make him easier to digest, easier to understand. But the reality is, he outweighs language, limits, and earthly ceilings. Our God is infinite, no start, no end, the maker of our reality and this world we call home. He is God Almighty, the everlasting God, our refuge, our rock, our deliverer, our shield, our shepherd, our righteousness, our stronghold, our hope. Through his death, we are saved. Through his resurrection, we come alive. By his power, we breathe. By his power, our hearts continue to beat. By his mercy, we can know sins forgiven. By his mercy, we can sing a new song. So let us set our minds on things above and not on earth below. Let us lift our hearts to the almighty King, to the one true God, Jesus.
What's up, everybody? How are you? Woo! A little lively day today, so welcome to Call with Some. My name's Andrew. Uh, a couple things, just family business. If you're a middle school student, you can catch your leaders in the atrium. That means leave. Uh, two, if you're standing in the back, there actually is a few seats up in here. We can just kind of smooch in. That would be awesome. Um, I just want to introduce you to a new member of our family. Um, you actually just heard him sing, so I'm going to invite his whole family up here. This is David Bear. And his wife, Katie, and his three kids. Uh, and so we, we just hired them, I mean, a while ago. But David is in charge of worship ministry now. Uh, and so Dave and Katie, they just came from Kansas City. Originally, they came from Harrison. So I want you to do this one thing. And I, I was joking first service. I'm really not joking. I want you to find them, and I want you to aggressively hug them too long, okay? Just hold on to them, welcome them into the family, cook them meals, invite them to your house, ask them questions. Um, I, I never say this lightly. I believe God brought this man and this woman here. And so what I want to do today is I just, as a church, I want to pray over them. I want to pray God's goodness and anointing and this leadership. Uh, and as a, as a church, we're kind of do that. And then I also want to pray about the topic at hand today uh, in the series we're in. And so let's, let's just get after the Lord. Uh, I would say this. If you're the type of person that maybe wants to pray aggressively towards David, you can give a kind of handout or uh, just hit him in the head later when you see him. Uh, Jesus, <laughs> you're worthy. And I do. I pray for you just your joy and your peace today. Um, I thank you for David. I thank you for Katie. I thank you, God. I believe you brought them here. And so I'll pray the same prayer I prayed for a service, that you would anoint him for the work, that you would fill him to overflowing, and that you would give him insight and wisdom of how to, how to mold this thing to where it gives you glory, where you are made great, and that we are led to the throne room of grace, and we drop our, ourselves off in worship every week. And so God bless this man, his family, his marriage. I pray again that he would be invisible to the enemy's radar. Let, protect his kids, and just God do a work in our midst through their lives. And for our time today, Jesus, help us hear you. You and you alone. Protect us, mold us, shape us according to your will, to your word. And so God, I, we look to you, Jesus. In your name, amen. So meet them, find them, see them, David and Katie Bear. Woo! But seriously, though, find them in the atrium after this and just hold them, yeah? We intentionally today uh, cut down or shortened our singing worship. Um, and we did that mainly because the topic today in the series we're in is going to create a lot of time to talk about it. Um, we're in a series called Practicing the Power, and the topic today is prophecy and tongues. Um, and so two things just happened in the room. One, some of you were like, <gasps> like a happy, <gasps> and then others of you were like, <gasps> like a scared, <laughs> right? I, and I know that just happened. And, and so I know that the topic, like, it's kind of weird, right? Like, this idea of prophecy, God talking to us, talking. Uh, I know that gift of tongues exists in the word, and I've asked for it, but God has not said yes. And so uh, I know that some of you in this room, you've been waiting. You're like, I've just been waiting for you to tackle this. I want you to talk. I think it's good for our church. It'll build us up into a full body. And then others of you, were, you're thinking, dear God, just skip it. Just, just skip this, Okay. <laughs> I understand, and here's the thing you have to hear from me, and this isn't even in my notes. Um, I have prayed fiercely for you. I do not want to alienate anybody. I don't want anyone leaving, and I'm not interested in fighting you. 
What I am interested in is what I see before me is that God has led me to speak about this topic, and I'm gonna, everything I'm going to say today will be out of Scripture, and that I believe the Lord's in it, and ultimately, when I get to the Lord, he's going to say, did you say what I wanted you to say? And I will say yes. And so today, uh, I want you to get a Bible and go to 1 Corinthians 14. We're probably going to, well, not probably, we're going to read this whole chapter, um, and here's expectation's sake. When you get into a topic like prophecy or tongues, uh, there's no way I can answer all the questions today. No way in, in this time. Um, and so I would invite you after this service at 1230, right here, me, John, several elders, Jeremiah and Heather, I mean, they're going to be here, and we're just going to do a thing called let's talk about it, all right? Because you'll probably have questions. Maybe some of you want to be, you want to bring your Bible, please, and say, hey, I don't understand how you can say that when I think this means this. And I'll talk to you about why I'm convicted the way I am about why Scripture reads the way it does. All right? So come and talk. Don't run away. We want to we, we be a family after this. I am not, anyway. Uh, I, I think the first step into the supernatural into inviting the Holy Spirit and the kind of kingdom life that Jesus wants us to be in, I mean, for our church and for you as individuals, is to slow down, slow down, and then asking, ask the Lord to speak. And so this coming Saturday, which I think is the 13th, at 7 p.m., we're going to kick off a 24-hour fast in this room which means we're going to invite you to put away food for 24 hours and to worship and to pray and ask God to show off in your life and to grow your hunger for him. Nothing weird's going to happen there. I promise, I, like, maybe something weird, but all it's going to be is a group of hungry individuals for the presence of God, worshiping him, praying, and asking him to move. That's it. And then you can either stay all night, and there'll be worship music playing all night and prayer, or you can go home and then join us that following Sunday, next Sunday at 7 p.m., and we'll break that fast together, rejoice that food is good because it's good, uh, and then worship and pray some more and just see what God wants to do. That's what I'm inviting you into. For today, 1 Corinthians 14, we're just going to start in verse 1, and like I said, we're pretty much just going to read the whole thing. So let's start there right now. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. So if you remember where we started, the, the basis in the seeking of these gifts and even talking about these gifts is we're not just pursuing gifts, we're pursuing love. I am pursuing a way to build you up, to love you, to grow you, to encourage you, to use anything God wants to give me, and anything God gives me is going to be supernatural to love you. Most of us in this room, we have a gut reaction to this topic because someone used one of these gifts, not in love, but in selfishness. And so we, we were like, never again. We kind of threw the baby out with the bathwater. 
And so what you need to know is that the motivation for me to talk about this is I want this church to be built up into the full thing that God wants it to be built up into. I want you to use the gifts you have, and they might not be the ones we talk about today, to love. So it can't be about you. It can't be about you. It says in verse 3, the prophetic, that this prophetic word, this is the three things that it does. The one who prophesies speaks to the people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. So if we're going to talk about what prophecy is, you've got to talk about what it does first. I'm going to define it here in a second. But what it, prophecy is, is we're going to hear from God, and then what's going to come out of us is encouragement, consolation, and upbuilding. So number one, builds up. The prophetic builds up. It, it, this is the idea that Jesus wants to make you more and 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 more, a lot of mores, more like him. And this is scripture talking, that he's the author and the perfecter. And so it's part of that work is that the prophetic can come in and go, I want you to build this onto your life. I want to grow you in this. It makes it personal. The second thing that the prophetic does is it, it encourages. If you've ever gone camping, and I heard this the other day, it was a great analogy, uh, and you go out in the morning and the fire's kind of burnt down, what do you do? You blow on it, Right? You blow it, and it encourages it. This is the idea that when we go to each other with this prophetic idea that we're, you can do it, you got it, God loves you, he's behind you. It's not breaking down, it's building up and encouraging. And then thirdly, it's consoling. We don't use that word, it just means comforting. It brings comfort where we need to be comforted. And so here's what I would say. If you're of the mind that if you're just walking around outright just being like, you're a sinner and you need to call that out and God's going to get you for that, that is not prophecy. Because the Bible tells us what to do when I see my brother in sin, Matthew 18. That I go to him and I say, brother, I've been studying scripture and I see this doesn't line up. That's not prophecy, that's word. And so notice though, notice at the same time that they say that, the Bible knows that we need encouraging, build up, and consult. In fact, because I see the humans that are in this room, and I love every one of you, you need encouraged, build up, and consult. You live very real lives in very real situations, and if I ventured to guess, I, I can almost guess that there's some heartache in here, maybe some loneliness, low-grade depression somewhere. You know, like, you, you're feeling the realness of our life, right? And so all those things, all the heartache and the loneliness and just the questions, it leads to questions, does it not? So real life hits, cancer hits, job gets lost, and we start asking real heart-level questions. God, do you love me? Did you forget about me? Are, do you see me at all? And if you're like, I've never, you're just lying. These are the questions we ask, right? And so what you'll notice, and you need to hear me say this, the Bible answers every one of those questions. Every one. So does God love me? Is God for me? Has God forgotten me? I can go to the word and I can get the answer to that question. Does God love you? Is he for you? I go to Romans 8. You know what Romans 8 says? Who can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus? Can angels? Can demons? Can famine, and then he lists just a whole bunch of things. Like, nothing can separate you from his love. So does he love you? Yes. You know what that means? I don't have to sit at my house going, does God love me? And I don't have to wait for some guy with a prophetic word 
to come and be like, it's okay, Andrew, God loves you. Why? Because I have the word. I have the word. Now, the same time that I say that, what I believe this Corinthian text is teaching, that there are times and there are places that God will speak to a man or woman a word of encouragement to upbuild, to console, that will make this word, this living word, personal. I'll give you an example. A couple weeks ago, we had a ladies' worship and prayer night. Um, I was in the back doing pro. I, had, I was not at the ladies' worship and prayer night, obviously. I'm not a lady, all right? But I got a cool story out of it. And so one lady walked in, and she's just praying, Lord, I'm hungry for you. And she felt like she got a picture, right? Like she felt like in her mind, she kind of saw God was kind of answering her prayer. And what she saw was a heart, a red heart with black stuff all over it, right? Now, if you're anything like me, and maybe you're like her a little bit, you're like, what is that? Did I eat too much burrito? Like, what, what, what is, like, I have a little bit of ADD. I'm a very visual person. Things fly through my brain all day long, right? Anybody else want to join? No, don't? Okay, cool. Right? So I immediately would cast that off. She was like, all right, well, I just feel stuck then, because if my heart's black, how do I get free? So she kind of sat on it. So she, she sits through this lady's prayer and worship night, and then later on, they paired them up, and they were praying. She's praying with two young women, and one of them's praying, has never done this really before, and it says, hey, this is going to be weird, but I just got a picture, right? That sounds weird, right? And the picture I saw, and they had not talked. This was like over here, she was sitting over here, they were sitting, they get together. I have a picture of a heart, and it's got black stuff all over it. And the Lord, he's pulling that black stuff off. So the girl that originally walked in just loses it, as you would, right? Just like, oh my gosh, God sees me. The Lord knows, right? The other two that were praying for her are just like, the Lord, like, I mean, just, just, um, I, this, that, that, that is the gift of prophecy is given to the church to encourage, to console, and to build up, right? And every time these gifts have used, been used appropriately in my life in the last six months, faith has exploded. Rejoicing has exploded. Life has come. So that's, that's the gift that we see. So let me talk about what it is and what it isn't. When we're talking about prophecy right here in the New Testament, hear me, you are not Jeremiah, Habakkuk, Isaiah, any of them. I can go through them all if you want. You are never, ever going to prophesy on par, equal to, anything close to the canonized, inerrant word of God. Closed. Can I say it any more clear? What we're going to do is with a lot of humility, brother, this is going to sound weird, but I was praying for you, and this came to mind. More often than not, you know what it's for me? Guys will come to me like, brother, I was praying for you, and I couldn't get this scripture out of my mind. Here it is. Do what you want with it. This is listening to the Lord and delivering what he wants. That's the most simple definition. So let's define it a little bit. Uh, I was made fun of for this definition because it's kind of long, but I'll break it down, okay? Prophecy is spirit-prompted, spontaneous, intelligible messages spoken to a person or a community intended for edification or encouragement. So let me break that down. Prophecy is a spirit-prompted, spontaneous thing. You're not spinning in circles. You're not rubbing a magic lamp. You are all of a sudden the Spirit of God, who is a part of the Trinity, by the way, reveals, gives a picture, stirs your spirit up, 
And you're like, oh, okay, Lord, what do you want? It is spirit prompted. You didn't make it happen. You're not making it up. It is spontaneous. You didn't plan for it, but then it is intelligible. You can say it. Like, I was praying for you, and this scripture came to mind. I was praying for you, and I had this thing come to mind. I was praying for you, and this is what I feel like the Lord's saying, but you go test that, brother. That kind of thing. It is spoken then to a person or a community for their upbuilding, for their encouragement, for their consolation. So we receive from the Lord something that doesn't contradict scripture, doesn't even stand in contrast to scripture at all. It actually makes scripture personal. It takes the word of God and it personalizes it. And I'll tell you, every vision, dream, word, tongue spoken over my life in the last six months, it has done, if it's been valid, so guys will come to me and be like, brother, I had a dream about you. It's kind of weird. I'm like, let me have it. They'll give it to me. I'll test it. I'll see if it stands in, it stands in opposition to the word of God. And if it doesn't and it's true, then usually God's, I mean, God grows faith in me, life in me, purpose in me, passion in me. And so you need to hear me say this. This, the Bible, is never wrong. You and I, we're wrong a lot. I should hear some like, amen, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is inerrant. This does not have air in it, but you and I, we're filled with air, right? God, the God of everything does not change his mind. You and I will probably change our mind about 17 times by the time we're done with this sermon, okay? So we're, we're fluctu- we fluctuate, we change, we're full of air, we mess up. And so every word, and I'm using lowercase w and uppercase w, every word, everything I think I hear from the Lord must be tested by the word. This is First Thessalonians. This is what we talked about week one. Like, I, I think I hear this from the Lord. I'm going to take it to scripture, which God had a huge hand in. I don't know if you know that. Like, I feel like we always pit these things against each other. If you look at history, you know who's behind getting this in your hand the way it is? You better say God. God is. And so if I hear him speaking, then I'll go, okay, well, I don't think you're going to say anything contradictory to what you've already said because you don't change. Oh, look, you are saying the same things. And then secondly, someone who's mature, who's using this gift well, the mature prophet, they're going to hear something from God and then they're going to test it themselves by the word before they ever say it. And then guess what I get to do? If you come to me and you say, hey, brother, I feel like the Lord's saying this, I get to test it too because I know the scripture. So then it's going through two, two levels of sifting. This is the gift of prophecy. This is how it works in the Bible, that God would speak, God would like, reveal, God would show for that I might go love you. Now, here's the thing. I think it creeps us out. I think we're worried about a lot of things, and we'll talk about some of those things. But here, here's how it plays out in my life a lot. Like, Lord, I just want to encourage somebody, and all of a sudden, like, Frank comes to mind. Frank! And then let's say, let's say it's something weird, right? Like I'm praying and I'm praying for Frank. And then I'm like, Lord, I just want to encourage Frank. And all of a sudden God's like, garden gnomes. No, <laughs> nope, not doing it, right? Like, so I got garden gnomes in my head and Frank, right? So then I'm praying and I'm wrestling. I'm like, Lord, I am not going to Frank and telling him garden gnomes. That's not a normal thing that normal people do. Can you just give me like Romans 9 or something? I'll go give that to Frank, Right? So if I'm wrestling and I'm praying, I'm like, I don't know what that has to do with anything. Let's say then I go to Frank, and this is usually how this works out. I go to Frank, and I'm like, Frank, this is going to be weird. I was hanging out with the Lord today. I was reading scripture. Your name popped in my head, and then 
This is where it's weird, Frank. So I'm just going to put it before you. Garden gnomes. <laughs> I know. I know, Frank. But here's what happens in those situations. What has happened more times than not is Frank then starts weeping. Because Frank said, my first wife died and she loved garden gnomes. And then he says, the Lord sees me, doesn't he? And I was like, yeah, the Lord sees you, Frank. So what if all these moments where people pop in our heads and images pop in our heads are not just my ADD and my visual nature, but it's God inviting me to encourage and console. Test it, for sure test it. But this is what we're talking about. And, and so when we look at prophecy in the Bible, it's simply, all right, Lord, I want to encourage somebody. I want to I be able to have eyes to see them. What would it look like if before you came in this room, before you went to your small group, you said, Lord, make me able to see people like you do and give me a word of life for them. Give me a word of life for them. And then what would happen if everybody in this room did that? 700 words of encouragement, life, and a building left cobblestone today. I'd say watch out Oxford, but I don't know what you'd say. That's not the only gift in these verses, though. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 6. So you have prophecy, and then you have the one that weirds us out probably even more, tongues. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If even lifeless instruments such as the flute or the harp do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct note, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will, not, you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? Well, I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praises with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does, when he does not know what you are saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. So you have prophecy described in the first half of 14, and then you get into 14, 6 on, and he starts talking about tongues. Now, here's what I know about this. It weirds us all out. Like, nobody in here understands it fully, and so let me just define it because I love defining things. When you look at biblical tongues, you're looking at a spirit-inspired utterance. And when I say utterance, I mean language. Whenever the Bible talks about tongues, it's talking about something that the Holy Spirit of God the three-in-one God gave us the Holy Spirit, makes and stirs you up, and you speak a language. That's the best basic definition I can give you. Now, here's the thing. Most of the information, I would say almost all the information we have about this gift is found in this chapter, which is a rebuke of using the gift wrong. And so it's, this is what we're learning from. And so when we look at this, many mainstream charismatic groups, they think, the gift of tongues is an upfront, everybody should do it ministry. 
There's only one problem with that. It's called the Bible. And I'm not even being sarcastic. The Apostle Paul is going to fight and he's saying, it's not an upfront thing. It's not a thing that everybody should do. In fact, you, you should put it in its proper space. He's going to say, don't forbid it. Don't ever forbid it. But do it right. And so he's going to continue. And what I love about the Apostle Paul is this next sentence. You can only say these sentences if you're an apostle, all right? I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. That's the best sentence in the Bible, probably. I just, who can say that but an apostle? I am better than you at this, right? I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, in the gathering, right here in this room, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil. But in your thinking, be mature. It is the, in the law, it is written. By people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people. And even then, they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus, tongues are a sign not for believers but for unbelievers. While prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers but for believers. If, therefore, the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and an outsider or unbeliever enters, will they not say that you are out of your minds? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. So this is 1 Corinthians 14. And what I think it lines out is probably three types of tongues that I can, I can identify scripturally. Uh, the first one is missional. This is, this is Acts 2. This is where you are given by the Spirit in actual physical language in the world that God would draw men and women to himself. So Acts chapter 2, Pentecost, all the disciples are sitting in the upper room. They're waiting there because Jesus told them to. Holy Spirit comes rushing in, tongues of fire. They all start yelling different languages. Here's the cool thing. The languages they are yelling are the languages of the men in the city in Jerusalem at that time. They come running. What's that noise? And they hear the gospel. They hear the work of Jesus in their own language because the Spirit's doing this thing. And then thousands of them get saved. Thousands of them. Here's the thing. I don't think this gift has ceased. And I'll tell you why. I have heard story after story of missionaries out there in the field right now where they'll start talking and all of a sudden they're like, this isn't English, right? And what's coming out of their mouth is this native tongue of the people they're talking to so that that person can hear the glory and the testament and the testimony and the gospel of Jesus Christ. So this is what God's still doing today, drawing all men and women to himself. And so think about it. I think most people in this room, you would be like, I would love this. I could get some Spanish and test out. Like, that'd be <laughs> sick, right? <laughs> I want to know. I want to know. It's rooted in, I want people to know Jesus. And if there's a language barrier, what thing can God not overcome? Apparently, even not knowing the language. Secondly, and this is where it just gets weirder and weirder, but uh, tongues for interpretation. And, and I say that because 1 Corinthians 14, the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. 
couple things going on there. And, and the reason I think tongues for interpretation exists is because apparently God could be doing by his spirit in a gift, in a person. I, need you, I want you to speak in tongues. I want you to say this thing in a language that no one's going to understand. And then somewhere else in the room or in that own person, God's like, and I'm going to interpret it. Just think how scary that is. That person's got to be praying, and I know a couple people with this gift who are praying, God, please interpret, please interpret, please interpret, please interpret. Because I've told my friends that have this, if you do tongues without an interpretation, I will rebuke you. I'll call you out right in front of this thing. Because that's, it doesn't build anybody up then. So tongues for interpretation. And then the third kind of tongues, it's the one that weirds us all out a little bit, and I think we've seen abused the most. It's, it's a prayer language. So if you hang out with charismatic circles, they're going to talk about, I have this prayer language with God. It's, it's, it's basically intimacy with God. And here's the thing. They're not lying. Romans 8. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. You take Romans 8 and you pair it with 1 Corinthians 14, 2. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him. But he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to the people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Do you hear this language over and over again with prophecy, with tongues, with any gift? Strive to excel in building up the church. Strive to excel in loving each other well. This is the base root of all these gifts. Where you do them with selfishness, you do them wrong. Where you do them about you, you do them wrong. And so here's what you need to know about tongues. If tongues is a gift, and it is, not everybody gets it. Do you hear me? If tongues is a gift, not everybody gets it. Same thing, not everyone then is going to have a personal private prayer language. It's just how you have to read scripture, all right? And the tension we're trying to walk is you have the Apostle Paul saying, I talk, I talk, I talk in tongues more than any of you all. And he's like, never forbid it, but, big but, but without an interpretation, it only builds up the person. It doesn't build up the church. And therefore, its place in the gathering should be limited. And, and so, on repeat, it's, going, it's like the building up of the body, the building up of the body. Not the building up of yourself, the building up of the body. So prophecy builds up. Teaching builds up. Hospitality builds up. Tongues edifies the person, but without an interpretation, it doesn't build up the body. So there needs to be that interpretation piece for it to be biblical in the gathering. I, I think the best place to learn this gift is in your small group. In your small group. Because you know why? You should know those people really well. You should know if somebody in that group has a gift of interpretation. You should know them enough to trust them that when you do it wrong, and you probably will, that they would love you enough to go, oh, <sighs> right? And have that conversation with you to grow you, right? When you say something, I feel like God's saying, and they're like, God didn't, didn't do it. No, mm -mm. you missed it. And that's okay, because you're in a small group to grow and to love and mature each other. 
And so there's some other things that need to be said, and then we'll change some tracks. In, in verse 27, there's three things that really come out quick. Number one, tongues doesn't happen out of an excess of passion that can't be controlled. So I think most of the time when we picture these prophetic gifts, the charismatic gifts, we picture there's a bunch of people in a room, and they're all so tweaked up that they can't control themselves, right? And all of a sudden, they're just all yelling in tongues and dancing and twirling with ribbons. That's not what's happening here. You know why I know that? Because he actually says, no more than two, maybe three of you, and you should wait your turn. So that makes me, lead me to believe that yes, the Lord could be doing this, the Spirit of God could be like, say this, but if you can sit down and be like, I'll wait my turn. Why? So I can build up the body. So I won't freak out newcomers. So I'll actually make sense. Uh, secondly, it is unintelligible both to the speaker and the hearer. Did you catch that part? Now, here's the thing. How much faith does it take to have this gift then? If you feel the Spirit of God going, I want you to speak in tongues right now, and you're like, they're not going to understand me. I don't even know what I'm saying. That's crazy faith to walk in that then. Crazy obedience then. And so the person speaking doesn't know, and even the hearer doesn't. And then finally, it needs to be interpreted to build up. He uses this illustration of, of a bugle or an instrument that doesn't sound any distinct notes. He's like, this is what it would be like if you came in and there was no interpretation. No one benefits from that, right? In fact, half of you laughed. Some of you were like, same thing. Without distinct notes, without knowing what was said, we don't know if we're going to war. We don't know if we should sit back and pray. We don't know what to do. He goes so far as to say, I would rather speak five words that would build up, that would bless, that you would understand than 10,000. Now, I don't know a lot about math. I stopped at Algebra 2 whenever they let me. But five or 10,000, which one's more? Right. And he's making, it's, it's hyperbole. He's trying to make a point that when I get together with you, my goal is you being upbuilt. You being encouraged, you being blessed. And if God's going to use me, it's going to be so that you can grow, not so I can be glorified in my gift. This is the man that just got done saying, I speak in tongues more than any of you. So he could have delivered a sermon in tongues and then walked off like, how spiritual am I? But he's like, no, I'll give you five words that'll build you up. I'd rather do that. And so that's what we see in the Bible. This is literally all we have on tongues in a letter that is a rebuke of not doing it right. So apparently there is a way to do it right. So here's what I know. Because we are Bible people, I put that in quotes for a reason, this stuff is scary, right? Because we're Bible people, people of the word, this is scary stuff. In fact, because I, I come from that place, I told you week one, I love wordland. I love intellectual Christianity. I love being told the reasons that coming over in the spirit, it always freaks me out a little bit. And, and so what I can almost hear, I can almost hear some of your thoughts. And I know some of you out there, you're probably thinking, hey, can we just stick with the Bible? Can we just stick with the Bible and forget all this stuff? Hear me. I'm teaching you the Bible. This is the Bible. And this is the living God. And so there's a couple other things. I think some of us, we have this thought of like, what if we're only talking to ourselves? 
What if you're sitting in your living room and you're saying, God, I want to encourage your body. I want to love people in your name. I want to give a word of encouragement. I want to speak life into people. And all of a sudden, Frank pops into your head. But that's not the Lord. That's just you. You just love Frank. Maybe, right? Uh, hear me. This is not cows. So what? Why? Why do I say so what? I say so what because the aim is to encourage, build up, and console. So I'm not going to Frank and going, say, Frank, you're a dirty, rotten sinner. You better repent, Frank. What I'm going to Frank is, Frank, I was praying for you this morning, and I kind of want to just lay before you that I feel like I kind of heard, maybe not, you test it, laying it before you. I believe our God speaks. I just want to put it out there. This, Frank. See the difference? Uh, I think, what if we're wrong haunts most, terrifies most of us. What if you're wrong? What if you hear from God and it's mixed with air and you say something that's kind of true, but then the other half really ain't so true, right? Terrifies us. Well, number one, I'm not going to drag you outside and stone you. You're not an Old Testament prophet. We've already established that. This isn't the same thing. What we're doing is that by faith, I am going and taking a step out that God's leading me to encourage you. You know what I always do now? Like, I've gotten some weird brothers in my mind. Like, they'll come up to me and be like, something just so left field. I'm like, I'm going to jot that down. You have a great day, right? <laughs> just, but I've always said, you know what I admire? Thank you for your faith. Thank you for your desire to try to love me and encourage me. I will pray over this, and I will test this by Scripture. Thank you. They've lost nothing. And so what, what, I, what, I, what I imagine is the same thing I said before. What if before you came here this morning, what if before you went to small group this week, what if before you went to work, you were like, God, I want to see people like you do. I want to know your words for them that take this and make it practical and make it real because people need encouraged and people need consoled and people need to be built up and I can't do it. I need you. And then the third thing, or the last thing I think that's probably in somebody's mind is, wouldn't it just be better if we forbid it? Wouldn't it be cleaner? Be easier, right? Let's just forbid the thing. Then we don't have the weirdness. We don't have to do all that testing. Except once again, here's the problem. The Bible. 1 Corinthians 14, 39. So my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. So they do have a place. And where they're done right, we will see encouragement, consoling, and building up. This has little to do. You have no idea how little this has to do with my opinion and how I have been convicted by Scripture that we've been ignoring something that God wants to do. And if we do it well, we'll see his glory. And so it, tongues, it has a role in the body when there's interpretation. Will it freak us all out? 100% we'll teach into it. Promise. It has, it has a role in the individual believer's life to edify them and build them up according to Scripture. A, a word, a dream, a vision, a tongue of interpretation has a place to build up and grow us. And so here's what I'm asking. I'm asking you to pray. I'm asking you to talk to your Father in heaven. Ask him how you might be used in his hands. And then listen to what he says and then just take a little step out there. Take a step out there and go encourage and bless and love in the name of Christ. So here's what I want you to admit. We're going to admit it together. 
we're growing together, we're going to do it wrong somewhere. My role given to me by the same spirit we're talking about is to discipline and correct where it goes wrong. Like, I'm, I'm geeked up on it. I am 100% holding on to being taught by the word of God and being led by his spirit. Where we do both those things, we will see the kingdom of God, I promise you. Where we run away in fear, we will miss it. And I will not miss it anymore. I will hold on to those two things, which means I will hold on to you, brother or sister, no matter what camp you're in. I will hold on to you, and I will beg you to do this thing. It is a hard work. We love extremes. We love safety. I love knowing what I know, and I'm terrified of the spirit, but I will hold on to both. Pray, ask, listen, and step out. You might just be surprised that the living God of everything will lead you if you ask him. And so if 700 words of encouragement and blessing and life go out of this place, whoo, that'd be amazing. Because here's the thing I know, or I'm learning. Christianity isn't just knowledge about. It's not just facts and just rote scripture memorization. Christianity is relationship with. It's living, walking, breathing life every moment with my Savior and my King, who's going to do some supernatural things that make me nervous. And so here's what I'd like to do. I, I would actually like to invite a, a brother up who is probably raised differently than me, uh, wired a little differently than me. He speaks differently than me, and he's got definitely different gifts than me. Uh, he's also taller than me, so I'm going to move my stand because he made fun of it first service. Get your own big stand. Uh, this is Jeremiah George. If you'd welcome up here, I'll let him introduce himself.